Education. A show about queer media classics past, present, and future. I'm Matisse. And I'm Kyle. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. episode we are talking about the tv show crazy ex-girlfriend one of my favorite shows it is currently on netflix i actually believe it's leaving in 2024 so it's a perfect time to talk about it for those of you who don't know the show the uh crazy ex-girlfriend is a show by the creator rachel bloom it is a show television musical show by the cw It is about simply a crazy ex-girlfriend, a girl who moves to basically stalk her ex-boyfriend from summer camp when she was 10 years old. Josh. Josh Chan, who he's adorable also. Very cute. He's so cute. She stalks her summer camp boyfriend, Josh Chan, follows him to West Covina, California, and throughout this whole process discovers that she has borderline personality. It's super queer it's super camp it's beautiful um maddie what are your thoughts on crazy ex-girlfriend what brought you into the show okay so crazy ex-girlfriend it's one of those shows that actually it like it took a while to like grow on me not in terms of like i had friends who were like you have to watch it, you have to watch it and i was like sometimes when people tell me i have to watch it too many times i'm like i'm not gonna watch it i feel the same but way. then but then my friend uh uh, my really a colleague, someone I went to grad school with, um, we were in a feminist media studies class and like brought up craziest girlfriend for like the 10th time in a row. And I was like, Marnie, I think I need to finally watch this show. Um, and so, and we watched, I think it was the Friendtopia song in class too. Um, Love we were that. talking about like girl boss feminism and post feminism of the nineties and, you know, girl power feminism uh neoliberal feminism and it's like just such a perfect example of that honestly and so um yeah i just was like you know what that was really fun i should go watch absolutely all of it right now and so i i basically went i went back home and my partner and i just started watching it and you know i love musicals so i was you know i was actually hooked pretty quickly it just it took me basically once i sat down to watch it i was like oh oh i get it this is for me Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think I just like was like a cr- crazy ex-girlfriend. Why would I watch that? That sounds like so like derogatory and terrible. Why would I watch that show? Right. Which is like, that's the genius of it is because Rachel Bloom does this incredible job of luring in people who would normally be like, haha, yeah, girls are crazy. Let's watch that. And over the course of, the entire show slowly goes from this show that feels really all about like confronting, but maybe like reinforcing stereotypes for normies. And then slowly Mm -hmm. just sort of like indoctrinates you into like queer, radical queer feminism and like mental health issues by the end. Like the way it just is a such a slow burn. And it's like a, it's a show that's almost it's, it's, it's kind of like a covert radicalization program. Like low key. A hundred percent. And I absolutely love that you took it there. I think that's what they, they canonified the crazy ex-girlfriend trope. Like they made that into like, they subverted that. That's what a lot of like feminist and queer media takes a popular 
trope that's meant to be derogatory towards like women and queer people and just totally like puts it on its end, its ass end and just totally fucks with it. And that's what Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does. So from my end, um, what got me into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was I actually I was a fan of Rachel Bloom for a while. I had no idea she had a show. I don't know how I didn't know that she made this show. She's hilarious. She's so funny. So the first song. So Rachel Bloom is it was a like YouTuber who did parody songs. Her first. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yes. You can see it. You can absolutely see it. Also, the creator, the co-creator, I believe her name is Aileen McKenna Broche, uh, directed The Devil Wears Prada. Fine. So just two just geniuses working together it was meant to be a masterpiece funny thing about the show too let me get let me get back into rachel bloom first before i do the thing where i spew out a bunch of facts about tv shows that i know about so (laughs) rachel bloom was a youtuber she did parody songs uh a few of my favorites so one that she's widely known for is fuck me ray bradbury (laughs) <laughs> um, which is a great song and we'll i'll include it in the notes for the episode too ray bradbury heard it for his like 91st birthday or something like that and apparently like really liked it um another song that she did was called i steal pets from the popular people and then dress the pets oh. up like the popular people yes i lo- wait i know that one yes I that's love rachel that bloom yes so oh my-, my god i love that okay so my goal because i was talking to you about how i want to do drag if i did drag that would be the song i lip sync to totally and i would have stuffed animals that would be dressed up as like the pets that i stole and dressed up like the popular people um that's my goal no one can steal that if you steal that now like i'm suing you (laughs) no no don't you Um, worry about it yeah um so that's rachel bloom so she was doing that for like almost a decade before then she was called to do crazy ex-girlfriend so i found about out about rachel bloom and then i saw that it was a show on netflix I, at the time also, it was like just very timely for me because I was dealing with this, try to keep long story short, I was dealing with this guy who I like was, I didn't kind of really, I was kind of obsessed with. I like, he was really hot, and but like deeply in the closet. And mm-hmm. I would just like deliberately find my way to get into complicated relationships that would fuck me emotionally. But I'd be sure. like, oh, I'm in love with you, I guess, even though I really just need to find what's wrong with me that's making me obsessed with you. Um, and the, I found that show not knowing totally what it was about, fell in love with it instantly. And I totally agree. It's just like oozing with like, there has got to be, if if it's not written yet, I'm writing it. Like, this is like a queer feminist text. Like, there has got to be like an academic book about this or something like that. There's just so much layers of queer themes of queer critiques of just like campy fun that makes it just like such a good show yeah no like i was saying i think it really it it's very campy and i think it the it has enough coding so that i think people who are like feminists or queer people will see it and know okay 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 i'm gonna give this a shot Mm -hmm. but i think that they're subtle enough also that i think just some random like some random lady or some random like gay person who's sort of like not really aware of the issues of the world might just stumble into this being like, Oh, what a fun thing. And then there, there are four seasons, correct? Am I right? Yes. Yes. Four seasons. Right. And so it really feels like the first one is all like 
let's talk about stereotypes. And the second one is like, we're going to start radicalizing women. Oh, everyone's gay. And then like by the fourth season, it's like everyone's gay and radicalized about gender norms. And also let's talk about mental health now. And it was just like the way that it just reels you in. I just, Uh I think it's genius. And I think, I think Rachel Bloom knows what the fuck she's doing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It like indoctrinates you for sure. One but thing, like in a way, I in love. a good it way, was, in, yeah. in in a, a good, good way, in a great. Way. I I wanted to be indoctrinated like this. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the trajectory like that because, uh, in the episodes, so the whole show is basically about the main character whose name is Rebecca Bunch. It's about her. It's her story. It's about her coming to terms with her own like identification re- really coming to terms with her own mental illness and learning to like not be in love with love her whole thing as someone with bpd um as we're, with borderline personality is that she creates this like fantasy ideal image of someone becomes attached to them loses her sense of self in the process and has to just unlearn all of that so like we become like indoctrinated or just like the ideas of our own like queer and feminist ideas become incorporated with that because she's learning to become her own person. And you can tell that and this show is so fucking smart. I mean, that's the one thing that I it's so intelligent. It's intelligent, but stupid, which is my favorite type of humor. It's um, such a good example of like what the Gen Z bimbo is about. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like the Gen yes. Z, like, and I feel like Rachel Bloom was doing Gen Z bimbo before Gen Z bimbo was a thing. Like a hundred percent. Cause she's like, haha, I have such big tits and I'm so silly. And then like is making really amazing commentary on the world that is, can be scathing, but in a way that is also, it's very like medicine with the with the spoonful of sugar sort of vibes which i i personally that's like my education style is like we've got to talk about difficult things we're gonna have fun doing it (laughs) so help me god i'll turn this car around yes hence why my identity tries to be a blend between comedy and like intellectualism in a way that i think the world needs that i think people try to be too much of one thing and crazy ex-girlfriend is a good balance for that Mm -hmm. and interesting that you bring up the gen z bimbo too because i feel like that sort of connects with like millennial humor and like gen z humor i notice on like in the internet and like tiktok and stuff there often is a divide between millennial humor and gen z humor i personally think it intersects in so many ways and one of the ways i think it intersects is like it's i feel like our generation of humor Gen Z and millennial is both self-deprecating, but also like reclaiming the fact that we're like hot messes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what bimbos do. And I think that's what crazy ex-girlfriend does too. Um, One of the things that, Oh, so the first thing I wanted to say in terms of like the show, that's interesting to me, the titles of the episodes each season turn into uh, Rebecca Bunch's, the main characters, like transformation towards like self-actualization. So at first, all of the episodes are like, Josh Chan did this. Josh Chan did this. I'm going on a vacation with Josh Chan. Then she ends up marrying Josh Chan in season two and or gets engaged and then they break it off. So the first two seasons are all about Josh Chan. And then the every other season is like you gradually see her 
like then she meets Nathan. And so then the show becomes about Nathan. Every episode is like named after Nathan or something like that. And then the final episode is when she actually has episodes about herself directly naming herself. And that's an interesting process that it's just one of the reasons why the show is so smart. But back to the idea of like the millennial Gen Z humor and self-deprecating kind of thing. I think it does a really good job of that. And I wonder if we could talk about maybe songs that we like from this show. Oh yeah, because uh, duh, this is a musical. Like if you didn't know, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a musical TV show. I'm not sure if we mentioned that enough because the mm-hmm. whole thing is just riddled with these iconic pop Broadway parodies of, they're somewhat parodic. Is that the, is that the adjectival form? Yeah. Yeah. I would say parodic. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the, they're the, they're like sort of parodic in nature in that they're not parodying a specific song, but parodying, they're satirizing in a lot of ways too. Like they're parodying like Broadway tropes and musical tropes and doing that to satirize like cultural things, cultural norms. And they're just the way that the episodes fit into the the shows are just so genius because they move the plot along. They fit right in. They never feel like disjointed from what I remember. I mean, maybe there are some examples, but Mm -hmm. they are just so smartly interwoven. Um, And I feel like that in a lot of ways, I think that sort of musical parody thing is in a lot of ways a very millennial YouTube humor, which is why I was like, oh, that's where she's from. Got it. Mm -hmm. But just like the Gen Z bimbo, Rebecca Bloom's, uh, Rachel, sorry, Rachel Bloom's songs on the Crazy Girlfriend have gained a ton of TikTok popularity. The teens love, they don't necessarily know where it's from, but they, the clips, they're like into it. They like, they, they get notoriety and popularity and they, they become trending audios um, over and over again. So frequently that I constantly remind them that this is from crazy. I'm the elder millennial. That's what, don't you know where this is from? Oh my god! Like, they, <laughs> same though. Like, just because they, you need to know. It's not for the sake of being like pedantic or whatever. It's for the sake of like y'all will relate to this. I feel like that's a cross generational show. I, I mean, yeah. for like specific millennials and Gen Z, where they will really relate to all of those types of things. Also generational things are it. There's such, there's such social contracts. They're a great thing to like grip into at first, but the reality is also like queer millennial culture in a lot of ways just is Gen Z culture. Like I relate to Gen Z more as a queer person because they've just taken the norms that my communities were already living by that the rest of millennials weren't doing. Like I have, historical time-based relationships with all millennials because we all experienced like the twin towers falling when we were kids, you know, but like cultural norms around like gender and sexuality are my values actually align with Gen Z because that millennial queers were already doing that. And that's what got passed to Gen Gen Z and Gen Z just think that that's just like how it is, which is great. And I feel like that's why this show is so great because it is that corner of millennial culture that I feel like I'm from. It's not millennial culture in general. It's not the like uh, chuggy shiplap white house with your blonde children named um, Jalen or whatever. Um, it's not that millennial culture. It's the, it's like the queer feminist one. And I think that that is the one that got its way into Gen Z. But anyway, speaking of music, you asked me the question about what my favorite, some of my favorite songs were. Right. Um, and I don't know. I just, I mean, I think we have to mention for sure um, 
going by is such an iconic, specifically queer one where um, Glenn, uh, her boss at the law firm, his name is Glenn, right? Oh my God. I'm totally drawing. You know what? I, I have released the idea. I have released the idea that I need to memorize everyone's name on every show that I'm going to talk about here. Daryl. It's Daryl. It's Daryl. I just remember. Yeah. You know what? But you're good. I agree with you. Terrible names in IRL, but also Daryl. Uh, uh, I everyone was gonna be like, "You're talking about a show. You're supposed to be media professionals," and I'm like, <laughs> "But we're bimbos. Like we're, we're supposed to be stupid bitches too. Yeah, like that's yeah. what you signed up for." Sure. I mean, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're yeah. So um, Daryl's going by is just so good because I don't know. I feel like the idea for this like some middle aged like dude at a law firm who's like so cringy and cheesy and just suddenly being like, Hey, actually uh, I'm getting divorced. And I actually really like guys too. It's just like, great. I feel like the only time you hear about bisexuality is like as a stepping stone toward being gay or I mean, yeah, as a stepping stone toward being gay. And it's just mm. like, I don't know. I just thought it was so cute. And it's, I mean, it's very two th- like mid two thousands bisexuality. It's, it's, very of its time it's not like it's it's very pre uh two or more genders bisexuality you know what i mean uh-huh. <laughs> um I'm, I'm still not even i feel like two or more genders bisexuality is we're still waiting for that to actually become a thing i feel like it's like jose munoz's uh, queerness is of the future and i'm like okay i'm waiting for the two or more genders bisexuality of the future um sometimes but anyways sorry that's a side note but i love that song what about you what are some of your favorite songs well i i love that song too so it like it takes on like a Huey Lewis in the news type of like yes. tune, which is great. And one of my favorite lyrics from that is um, it doesn't take an intellectual to know that I'm bisexual. Um, <laughs> I just I just love that lyric. So for me, I really like um, let's generalize about men. Oh, my God. So it, funny. Aesthetically, it's beautiful. So the scene where they start singing let's generalize about men is that like Rebecca has become so obsessed with Josh that they got engaged. And then at the wedding, he like leaves her at the altar essentially. And she's like mourning that it's, I think it's like the first episode of season three and she's like getting over him. So she's with all of all of her girlfriends. The cast is incredible. Also the cast of girls on the show, all great singers, um, really phenomenal. Donna Lynn Chaplin plays her best friend and I'm going to blank out on the names too. I'm going to, I'm going to get a list once I like, I'm going to go on my phone and get my list, but she's her best friend. And she's just like a really amazing character and amazing singer. Great Broadway star. I'm going on IMDb right now. Paula. Thank- Paula. Cause she has, she even has the necklace that says Paula. Um, okay. Now we've done our research, so we will know the names now. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Uh- <laughs> Paula, I, I have, I have, I don't care. You're, you're all along for this ride with us. We are, we're doing it. We're it's flying right. by the seat of our pants. You are welcome. You're welcome. Enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, let's generalize about men. They're like just all drinking wine and just literally generalizing about men. And when Rachel Bloom introduced the song, there's a live episode. The last episode of the show is a live episode, and she's introduces it as a song that's both super feminist and anti-feminist. And that's what I like about it is that it both like makes fun of like, I think it makes fun of how men think 
women talk about men and generalize about men. Mm. And it also is like a way for like women to make fun of themselves. Like, yes, we do this and maybe it's problematic or whatever, but like we enjoy doing it. And so it's like set in the tune of like, it's raining men. And some of the lyrics are like, let's generalize about men. Let's get super lit and not admit this is some sort of primal ritual we need now and then. Um, And they dress up like an 80s wear. They got like the neon like suits and it's like really bright, flashy lights. It's hilarious and just like aesthetically really pleasing too. So that's my personal favorite song. Also, I realize it's getting by, not going by. Getting by, yeah. Once again, I'm not sorry for getting the name wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's all the more reason for people to watch the show who aren't familiar. Yes, absolutely. So you can um actually us. Yeah, exactly. Please do. Please do. Um, Yeah, I just... I I think Friendtopia is also great because it's like Spice Girls, but it's like fascist Spice Girls. I just think that's such a funny juxtaposition, honestly. Yes. Um... I'm trying to remember. I feel like the one time I remember there was a, a song where I was like, what the fuck is this doing here? Because most of the time it, you're like, okay, this works. There's one where Paula's singing about like farts or something in the middle of like, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering, but I'm just like. There's one, there's a few where like, oh my God, there's a few songs that she, ha- I feel like honestly they give Paula a few songs like that because she has a really good vocal Voice. range yeah so she can sing weird stuff and everyone's just like wow it sounds so uh-huh. good though because it's true it does one of the songs was the very first penis i saw <laughs> which is which is hilarious but it really doesn't do much to the plot to move it forward true it's it's like she meets this guy who she used to date in high school and like he was the very first penis she saw so they sing like a mama mia version of that song and it's great i also i mean i feel like we can't not mention my diagnosis, which is just this like triumphant song toward the end where she finally has her diagnosis. It's basically, she's, she's been told like you have this disorder. Um, and suddenly in the whole thing, I think it's a new diagnosis because she's been diagnosed with things before, but this is the time where she's like, okay, someone finally put it together. It makes sense to me. And I don't know. I just feel like it's just very relatable. I, I, cause I'm, I don't know. I'm definitely very skeptical of a diagnostic model in a lot of ways because oftentimes we're creating something in, like, you know, we're creating subjectivities instead of just uh, like discovering things. And then we, you know, the way people frame it as if it's just like, whatever, we don't have to get Foucault about this. Right. Um, uh, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I just think that they can be such a helpful framework as long as they're like held loosely, but they can be in those moments. It can be very like, aha. Right. And I just, mm-hmm. I think that that song is so brilliant for capturing that aha-ness of finally someone saying, yeah, this is something that you've got, you fit the criteria. This is, this is a way that you are, you're, you're, you're neuro atypical, you're neurodivergent. Like, mm-hmm. And it can be really affirming. And I mean, obviously it can also be very like crushing and be like, oh crap. But also I, what I love about the show is it, it for, it shows it, this receiving of knowledge as just like a relief or as something that just something to know. And then of course, after the show, that's like, it's not like you get a diagnosis and then you're like cured and you're all good. They, you're bam, bam, you're done. Like that's where the, the work starts. Right. Right. But I just, 
I don't know. I just, I think it's so nice to see representations around mental health of it just being like, yeah, a relief and like a, a nice thing to get versus like a scary thing. Because pathology is scary. No one wants to be pathologized. Right. And the interesting thing there, so I think that's a very important song. It's also been like, I feel like reviewed in like Vice and maybe like Vulture oh, sure. as like a very important song for the cultural moment where like, again, with like generational divides, like millennials and Zoomers, I feel like put a very strong emphasis on mental health. Mm. And like this was, I feel like this song was an indication of the change of the culture where it's like, no, I need to pay attention to this. And this is what will help me like grow rather than be a stigma to use against me. Sure. The, the one thing that I thought interesting, and this was just like, I mean, I could critique other things in the show, but I'd rather not because I love it sh so much. The one critique that I had, speaking of um, actually, this was my um, actually moment. She was diagnosed with borderline. And I feel as a woman, she would have been diagnosed with borderline like really quickly, unless things have changed in the mental health field. Like women are really commonly diagnosed with borderline, like as soon as they're evaluated by therapists. Mm -hmm. I personally, that was just my one. I feel like if she saw a therapist like years ago, they probably would have diagnosed her really quickly. But it's also telling of like, just in general, like things for people to get a proper diagnosis, it takes a lot of time. Well, yeah, and it I takes mean, a lot of observation of like patterns and repeated behaviors and things like that. And the thing is, is like you can, I remember like, I don't know, before I got my ADHD diagnosis, I, uh, uh, I remember just going to like my doctors be like, I don't feel good. I'm bad. Like my pediatrician. And there was like, here, have some anti-anxiety meds. Like, mm -hmm. and that's the thing is like, there's a whole scene where, where Rebecca like throws away all her prescriptions and it's because kind of in the end, it's because they were the wrong prescriptions. Like they weren't helping yes. her. They were, they might've been like soothing some aspect of it, but they weren't helping her. Like that's the first thing she does. She moves to West Covina to chase this guy Josh and then dumps all her prescriptions down the drain and like un unleashing the crazy is sort of the way it's it's framed but the reality is it's, she it was always there and these probably were just suppressing it and she wasn't actually addressing her actual crazies I guess right right the meds weren't helping her because she wasn't diagnosed with borderline so she they were addressing all the wrong problems which is another song that I like is like that normalizes like mental health is the song, I think it like won an award or something. It may have won an Emmy or something, but there's a song in season four where shortly after she's diagnosed, she is uh, prescribed antidepressants. And her therapist, yes. her therapist who is incredible, I forget the actor's name, um, but she prescribes her antidepressants and she sings a song, antidepressants are so not a big deal. Great job of just like normalizing, like just taking medicine when you're addressing your mental health concerns because a lot of people still feel like a stigma behind oh why do i have to take this medicine there's nothing wrong with me and like hearing that matters like messages like that matter the thing i love about that song is that i mean multiple things so my favorite lyrics are like um like everyone is special that's usually the sitch but when it comes to meds you're such a basic bitch <laughs> like basically saying like everyone's on antidepressants like you're not different just take your fucking meds yeah um my dog's on anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants like literally really yeah oh my god yeah no my dog honeybee is he's a rescue and has a lot of uh attachment issues so yeah he's on he's on anti-anxiety meds also yeah it's because it's not a big deal we just all have funny weird 
don't know. I studied neuroscience in undergrad and our brain, it's just like our brains are just these funny chemical sacks full of ions floating around with like little like zaps of like atomic level, like electricity floating around. Like it's fine. Just take, we have medicine, just take it to regulate your brain. It's no big deal. Exactly. And I think that song does like such a good job of just really expressing that. Another thing that I love about um, that song is that they show like they represent the antidepressants. They do a huge dance number and they represent the antidepressants as tap shoes. And so <laughs> she like and they like play the beginning song, which is West Covina. So they do like a little reprise. West Covina. To, like, yeah. Yeah. I love that song. Me too. too. Um. And so they give her tap shoes to represent the antidepressants. And it's like, she's with a whole group of like strangers that like tap dance with her. So it's like, she's relearning to like walk or like to be happy again. And then the super funny thing about the end of that song is like, antidepressants are so common that taking them is all we have in common. And so (laughs) she's dancing with the crowd. And right after they sing that, they all go. And she's like, where are you going? And she's like, oh yeah because like our meds are all we have in common so we don't have to be friends just because we take the same meds absolutely like <laughs> Which literally is, it's a great lesson to learn like you don't always have to be friends with people just because they're also mentally ill i've learned that the hard way um, yeah i mean i think yeah yeah i mean the, I, I feel like that could be said about a lot of communities that are brought together over shared pathologies i mean yes yeah I mean, but that's also like how gay community forms. So I don't want to be too disparaging of fi- people finding community through their mental illnesses because that's uh-huh. literally like how the modern homosexual that turned into like the gay liberation front, which turned into the LGBT community that we know today is result right. of like support groups for being diagnosed with homosexuality. So I don't want to like- right. There's yeah. always nuance. There's always nuance to that. And what you learn is like, you can remain, you can create a community and maintain it. And sometimes there's people within the community that you don't always have to be like fully on board with just just because they match your identity or match like some sort of experiences that you have. Um, But yeah, that's, that is a song that I really love. And the other thing, and you were mentioning it too, with with the song Diagnosis, she starts taking in the meds and they start being, they're honest about it. Like she doesn't take the meds and she's immediately like cured. They have multiple scenes where she's like, passing out from exhaustion from being on an antidepressant and as someone who has been on multiple antidepressants specifically for me lexapro did that to me lexapro when your body is adjusting to meds Mm -hmm. you often are fucking exhausted and so it showed that it showed like almost in real time it felt like it showed her like struggling with the like just her body adjusting to antidepressants. And then eventually at the end of the show, you just really feel like she's stabilized, but she's still quirky. Like that's the thing. It's like, she's not, she's, she's, her symptoms have been less intense because she's addressed these problems. But like when you're borderline, you're borderline. When you're bipolar, you're bipolar. When you're ADHD, you're ADHD. Like medicine is going to alleviate the symptoms. There's also just like a part of you that is going to have these types of what people would view as quirks, like just neuro um, neurodivergent tendencies. And I like that they ended that there also. Yeah. 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 <sighs> it's so true. I, I just, yeah. It's the thing is, is like, yeah, they, they don't go away. It's just, you learn, you learn skills to manage. It's, but I, I, I just really think that the show is such, also, I think it's so funny, um, Greg, that they just cast a different Greg. 
for the yeah. final season. <laughs> this one guy, he didn't come back and they just were like, well, actually we wanted her to end up with this guy. We just need to cast someone new who's even more handsome. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they like introduced, they do a song that's like, hello, nice to meet you. Yeah. Because like what the implication is, is that Rebecca has changed so much that like, and Greg has changed because Greg on the show is an alcoholic and then he mm-hmm. goes away for a little bit and then he comes back at the last season as a different actor and the implication is that for the characters rebecca has changed and greg has changed so he looks like a completely different person to her mm-hmm. i thought that was a clever way of doing that instead of just like not talking about the elephant in the room being like oh yeah it's greg obviously it's always been greg yeah no they did not do that do um, you have a preferred greg i mean the original one Okay. Especially because now he's on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as like the the burlesque, uh, the burlesque like run, like op, like burlesque theater operator. I don't know. I just no. I I think the guy's charming. <laughs> uh huh. He's charming. I thought like I love. <laughs> I'm gonna say old Greg like uh, the mighty Bush. old Greg. I'm old, old Greg. Greg. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like I preferred old Greg. I think the newer one was like better singer range, like more Broadville, oh. Broadway trained. Yeah, type of... old Greg couldn't sing. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a great singer, but his I thought he was sexy, honestly. Yeah, like his, it, his... which is wild because most of the time I'm always just like, how are there like such gorgeous women and such mediocre men all the time? Like, why is that such a thing? And then this is the one time I'm like, okay, fine, I get this mediocre man is actually really charming and kind of cute. Okay. Fine. yes i was like yes. god damn it i usually hate this but you know it worked right it worked really well yeah team team old greg yeah i'm looking up skylar aston's the new greg yeah he's too mm-hmm. pretty he's too pretty uh it just it just wasn't because like greg is established as like cynical like yeah, he's cynical like the barkeep you know yeah and they made him a little too like chipper he, they disnified him is sure. what they in my opinion um all, more power to the actor and all this i think he was in pitch perfect um you know he's doing fine yeah our opinion of him is not gonna affect yeah, his work we, anyway we're just two random queers in boston talking about hollywood and literally nothing matters it's fine right <laughs> yeah what do we think if we can talk about this like what do you think crazy ex-girlfriend does that like other shows like don't do or like what makes it like so special to us like a canonified piece of art yeah, I think I think what it is it's so special is it it takes that, you know, queerness not just as like an LGBT identity but as like exposing of norms. Mm-hmm. And for me I feel like that's very much like why for me it, it has a place in the queer canon. Not just because there are like gay characters which there are and like like there's like pretty direct like gender and sexual stuff there that's pretty gay and queer in and of itself right but Hmm. for me it's really the fact that it's doing so much intentional work to expose invisible naturalized norms for me that's like what's so special about the show is it and uh, and it does so with flair and panache and and multiple musical numbers per episode and i'm just like perfection it's perfect yeah, I would I would really have to agree with you there. I think one thing that I was thinking of too is that 
with a show like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you expect it to just be about how the main character, Rebecca Bloom, uh, Rebecca Bunch is crazy. Like just how she's crazy. What I like about the show is that there's like no character is good or bad. Sure. And I feel like in so many shows, even to this day, they try to be like, this is the good character. This is the bad character. Like it's meant to like expose just one character and make them a parody of like what we view as like bad in our society. Like every one of these characters is like, deeply flawed and that's why when you see like rebecca have her nervous breakdown where when people are like you actively need help Mm -hmm. um she backlashes and says like oh well paula like you almost like you basically cheated on your husband emotionally and you know like heather you did this and all and all of these characters are like so flawed that like everyone is crazy in this universe that it allows us to understand like it get it gets i agree with what you said maddie like it gets at the kind of like mundane and magnifies it to be like, this is an everyday experience that is like quite funny when you look at it, but like, we don't talk about it enough. Um, And like, we are all crazy and fucked up in our own way. And when we look at it through the lens of like parody, that's like earnest, that's like earnest and sincere. That's, that's a breath of fresh air to me. Like let's generalize about men. I have not seen a song or type of media that makes fun of like feminist critique in a way that's also feminist. It's great. That's so hard to do. And to me, that's just like one example of like the genius of the show. Yeah. I really do think that um, Rebecca Bunch, Rachel Bloom, Rachel Bloom is just incredible. And I'm so glad she made the show. Um, Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me about crazy ex-girlfriend. Thank you, Maddie. So listeners, uh, we are really appreciative of you listening to us and we hope to see you soon. Mm -hmm. You can follow me, Kyle, at Mix Underworld, MX Underworld, at TikTok and Instagram. And you can also listen to my podcast, Saturday, a podcast for sads and gays. And um, yeah, once again, I'm Matisse. You can find me at uh, Mix Matisse DuPont on Instagram and TikTok. You can uh, find my website, matissedupont.com, and I offer individual and institutional gender consultation and educational services. So uh, check me out there. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.